0: This is the Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowdy-Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Esler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy-Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Essler. Uh, you want to get any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Esler, or you can find some of his work at pregame.com. It's official. This is week one for the winner's take college football. Still going to briefly touch on Major League Baseball, but uh, the focus for this pod is going to be strictly college football. Dave, we've made it. It's real meaningful games. We have NFL next week. Uh, I think going forward, it's just strictly going to be college football and NFL from here on out. Yeah. I mean, I think we could touch on some of the bigger
1: games that matter in baseball, but for the most part, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, football is off to a flying start for me. So that always gets the adrenaline flowing. I'll uh,
0: I'll follow your lead, brother. All right, so let's just jump into Major League Baseball right away to get it out of the way. First game, we're, so we're only going to go through two games, and they're going to be for the Friday slate, September 1st. First game we're looking at, it's going to be the Philadelphia Phillies taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. We have Zach Wheeler on the mound for the Phillies and Freddie Peralta on the mound for the Brewers. Currently, Dave, this is about an even line and that total sitting at seven and a half. What are you thinking for this Phillies Brewers game?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Brewers lost two or three to the Cubs and, and kind of left the back door open there. And I guess the question is now, how do they respond after after that? And and preceded by a, obviously a huge winning streak. I, I do know Josh Donaldson isn't an answer. answer uh, his ship sailed and he's a he's a clubhouse cancer. But, uh, yeah, maybe he'll. Maybe he'll help you guys out, but Peralta has the potential to hold the Phillies in check, but the Phillies are surging. They're hitting. I love Wheeler. He's got a whip under one over his last seven starts, uh, and the only teams that have hit him are NL East teams that see him all the time, so I can build a case for the under pretty
0: easily. See, I kind of wanted to go over on this one because I feel like Wheeler and Peralta have really been pitching well lately, which almost feels like there could be a bit of a you know like a regression just because I know Peralta has been going deep in a game, striking out a ton of guys. It felt like it could be one with uh, for an over, but I actually leaned towards Milwaukee because Freddie Peralta had been so good, and Zach Wheeler's been around for a while. There's a decent amount of familiarity there, but it was no- nothing super strong. I did have a couple of props that I found. Carlos Santana to get a hit at minus 155, and Mark Canada to get a hit at minus 150, just I know it's low scoring, I know it's a low total, but uh pretty disrespectful numbers for two guys that have had success against Zach Wheeler and two guys that have been hitting over 300 the last couple of weeks both of them. So uh thought those numbers seemed low.
1: Uh sounds good to me. I can't argue with you. I haven't uh, I haven't done the prop work. That's a lack LOFT, lack of freaking time for me right now.
0: Yeah, especially with football season. Uh you're yeah. knee deep in football, but that's that's kind of like uh what we came up with for that brewers phillies game now later tonight the second game we're going to look at major league baseball it's going to be the baltimore orioles traveling to arizona to take on the diamondbacks we have cole Irvin on the mound for the orioles and zach davies going for the diamondbacks currently dave baltimore a slight favorite here roughly minus 120 total of nine and a half what are you thinking for our second game for major league baseball
1: yeah i actually see a lot of people on baltimore and that's a little scary for me because they're only minus 115-ish uh, and, and all the tickets are on the Orioles as you would expect, so that's a fishy line there. I, I'd be tempted to go Arizona, but uh, and I don't like or trust Irvin as much as maybe most people. He'd been rolling along until the Rockies hit him hard last week, but the O's pen is solid and rested and Davies has been pathetic. Uh, I think his ERA over the last seven starts, he's had his over eight uh, and their pen isn't ideal at all, so The best bet in this game for me by far is the Orioles team total over four and a half
0: so I looked at it and I might be one of the suckers you were just referring to I I looked at it and thought Baltimore looked uh, pretty appetizing for this one Diamondbacks aren't as good against lefties as they are righties not a ton of familiarity with uh, Irvin and that Arizona team Arizona's kind of been scuffling but it seemed like the easy answer I also kind of looked at uh, the under nine and a half just because there's a lack of familiarity between both Davies and Irvin and these opposing teams and like I said Diamondbacks aren't the greatest against lefties and overall both of these teams should be rested so the pen should be at a hundred percent so yeah I I looked at Baltimore and the under for the game total well you
1: know I don't really care who wins as long as Baltimore scores five runs
0: (laughs) yeah so like a like a five to one Orioles win and we'll we'll both be happy and we'll see if we can't uh win both of them
1: yeah well I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna caution anybody on that Orioles team that's just uh they, they should be favored by a lot more than that based on based on pitching and and basically where the teams are at this point in the year uh so the fact that they're not is a yellow flag for me so
0: good luck with your Orioles Well, there you go. That's our second game here for the Major League Baseball. Not going to do any Major League Baseball for Saturday, but we are going to stay on Friday. And we're going to look at some of these Friday college football games. First one we're going to be looking at here. It's actually going to be the Central Michigan Chippewas traveling to Lansing to take on Michigan State. Currently, we have Michigan State favored by 14 with a total of 45. What were you thinking for this game, Dave?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is another one, and we talked about it on the radio show this morning, and, and maybe we've talked about it on some other podcasts. But if if we're making a bet this late in the game and, and this late being the betting cycle, I mean, these lines have been up since June. Uh, we had to be careful not to take a bad number. And, you know, for, a, for, a, for an example, like tonight's Hawaii Stanford game, the Cardinals favored by three, uh, but in June, that was Stanford minus 10. Uh, so there's no way I'm betting Hawaii at the current number. Uh, although I can see taking them plus two for the first half because that would be a new line. Uh, but back to this game, you know, we know Michigan State has a defense. We don't know about their offense. Central Michigan has a habit of playing power five teams pretty close. So while I do lean to the chips, uh, when you factor in the new clock rule and the fact that the Michigan State wants to run anyway, I think this could be a short game, and I will, I will be on the Michigan team total under. I believe it's 29 and a half, but don't hold me to that
0: yeah, I looked at this game, Dave. And right away, when I was looking at kind of the returning starters and you know what experience both teams were bringing back, this looked like a game that could very well go under since both teams was actually bringing back more defensive players and new quarterbacks and and that sort of things. It looked like I might want to play Central Michigan if I was playing a side, and I might want to play the under. But then when you look at, and you kind of mentioned this, that game opened for a total at 52, and it's now down to 45, 44 and a half in some places. I'm not necessarily wanting to run and and bet that under, though the research would say, oh, I kind of like the under. Is that a a thing where it's like maybe you start to think about betting the over because it has moved so much or just staying away in general?
1: Well, that's a good question, Uh, and I have two answers for that. The, The answer to your question is in general, yes um because people and the market ultimately will overreact uh, just like in any sport and i know a lot of these totals were bet under because of the new clock rule and other other things that are going on and you know people think maybe the books haven't factored that in but uh, you know a of course they have and b um totals are probably the most exploitable thing you can bet especially in football and I, yeah, I think at some point that will happen. I don't know if it's this game, but yes. And the other thing is, you know, you mentioned the totals come down, and I'm inclined to agree with that. At 51.5 or 52, I would probably bet your mortgage on the under. At 45, I won't. But, okay, so let's assume the rocket is right, and this is going to be a low-scoring game. Well, okay, who's not going to score? Uh, is it Central Michigan? I don't know. they got a little bit more of an offense, maybe the Michigan State does, Um, I think it's Michigan State, hence I landed on the team total under. I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, and and we'll continue to get into just questions like that because it's first full week of college football, week one. So speaking of more college football, let's look at the second game that we're going to go through for Friday night. It's actually going to be Louisville traveling to Georgia Tech. And in this one currently, Dave, we have Louisville favored by seven and a half with a total of 49 and a half. Uh, what'd you come up with for the second game on Friday night?
1: Yeah, I threw this game on to do for two reasons. Um, number one, is tonight and people want to hear it, but both of these teams are teams that I am typically wrong about. So I, I wanted to force myself to look at it um, rather than just blow it over and, and take the lazy way out. And Louisville's a prohibitive favorite. They could blow tech out, Uh, And the fact that they're solidly more than a touchdown favorite says so. But laying more than a TV in a first game that's also a conference game, Uh, that just doesn't sit well with me. But by the same token, taking the seven and a half isn't something that makes me all warm and fuzzy either. Although if I were going to bet a side, I would take the points. But fortunately, I don't have to bet a side. The totals come down some, maybe not enough. Louisville uh, under Brom, they're definitely going to want to air it out. And and we know Tech isn't going to want a high-scoring game, so... We've got kind of a, a yin and a yang there. Uh, but the simple fact, I think, here is can Tech slow down Louisville? Tech did have a respectable pass defense last year. They got most of them back. But they had a sieve of a running defense. So to me, this is whether Louisville wants to take what what, what Georgia Tech gives them or not. I mean, since the Cardinal did have a solid defense last year, they were actually 11th in the nation in scoring defense. I think the best bet in this game is by far, of the Georgia Tech team total under 20 and a
0: half. Yeah, you like the Georgia Team Tech total under there, Dave. I, I looked at it and I kind of agreed with you. I if I had to bet aside, it was Georgia Tech at over a touchdown. And the reason why I like Georgia Tech over a touchdown is both of these teams don't have their quarterback returning. Jeff Brom, it's it's brand new. This is his first year with Louisville. They're I'm sure working out the kinks. They're trying to figure some things out. I don't think it gets off and running from the start. So I would probably lean with the home team that's getting over a touchdown, especially when they brought back a few more players than Louisville did. And it's the same, you know, familiarity with coaching staff and players. But to your point, I looked at the totals and maybe this is just because, like you said, a lot of people with the new clock rules are betting unders. But I looked at the under in this game because Georgia Tech doesn't play fast. And I don't think that that Louisville offense is going to be some high flying Jeff Brom type offense. It took them a few years at Purdue to get it really going. Now Louisville might be a slightly better job and better recruiting area than say Purdue, but I don't think it's that different. I think it could be slow for them out of the gates. Could be a slower paced game just in general. And then when I look at those totals, I told you how, man, that that Central Michigan Michigan State game really, really has dropped. Well. This one Dave, I'm looking at it, it's moved down 3 points from 52 and a half down to 49 and a half, but since more cash and more tickets are coming in on the over, I feel like this would be one where I'd be more comfortable still betting the under even though it's moved 3 points.
1: Yeah, I would agree that the under is probably still good at 49 and a half.
0: I don't think Georgia
1: Tech's going to score a lot of points. I really don't. And I don't think Louisville really wants to go ahead and make a statement here. They could But I don't think they do at all. So, yeah, I would have to take the under. Um, Even though I hate taking rogue numbers, that would be one that I think is still pretty alive today.
0: So there we go. That's our two games there for college football on Friday night. Again, you want to find any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler, or his work at pregame.com. Let's move forward here, Dave, to Saturday. We got three college football games that we're going to break down here for Saturday. The first game we're going to be looking at here on Saturday, it's actually going to be an ABC game. North Carolina, South Carolina, neutral site game, but the neutral site's going to be in Charlotte. Dave, currently UNC favored by 2.5 with a total sitting there at 64 and a half. What were your thoughts for this North and South Carolina game? Yeah,
1: I'm uh, I'm kind of a South Carolina proponent, if you will. Uh, I think they're going to be better than people think, and I, so I was surprised the Tar Heels are favorite. I have it lined as a pick, and maybe because it's in Charlotte, but the truth of the matter is Charlotte is actually closer to Columbia, where South Carolina's campus is, than it is to Chapel Hill. So, uh, and 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 the Gamecocks travel well, so it's far from a Tar Heel home game for anybody that's sort of looking at that that doesn't know uh, Eastern geography, and. With Rattler back, I think the expectations in South Carolina are higher than they've been since Marcus Lattimore was there. And I will admit, Rattler can look awful. And of course, looking awful, what was gotten benched in Oklahoma. But you know, don't forget, three years ago, heading into the season, he was a Heisman favorite. Uh, with that said, the South Carolina run defense was not good last year, and that's playing right into North Carolina's hands. That's what they do best. Uh, their quarterback May is a dual threat. Uh, I do think UNC scores enough. Uh, the total is and has gone up, and I can't disagree with it. Um, but, you know, do we take a bad number now? I think no. Uh, I think I take the North Carolina team total over. Uh, they tend to want to play up-tempo, and I, I'm i not sure South Carolina could stop them. I do lean over for the game, but I'm just not sure what South Carolina's offense is going to ultimately look like. So I uh, like that Tar Heel team total
0: over. Uh, I did not look to see what it is, but it is what it is, and I'll, I'll go ahead and take that. Yeah, I looked at this this game, and you know that Drake May was coming back for UNC. You knew that Spencer Rattler was coming back for South Carolina. Just going through both teams, North Carolina was bringing back more players than South Carolina was. South Carolina actually not bringing a ton of guys back on either side of the ball. So I instantly thought, oh, that over looks like it could be a good one because you'd imagine that Drake May should be able to sling it all over. And if Spencer Rattler looks – more like he did last year with South Carolina than some of his days at Oklahoma, that feels like something where the the over could be an easy one here. And then I would probably lean with North Carolina just because they are bringing back more players. And I think uh, May is better straight up than, than Rattler. I would lean North Carolina and I would lean with the over. But like you said, Currently, this over has moved three and a half points since it opened. So uh, you're definitely getting a lesser lesser value on that over,
1: which is why I went to the team total.
0: And that's why Dave is the pro and looks at this. What Dave? A lot of different angles because if you like an over, but maybe it's moved four points, like you said, that's why you're looking at the team total because it might not have been adjusted as much or at all.
1: Yeah, and I think if you know, truthfully, I mean, a lot of people think they're really good at this, but if you're going to bet full game sides and full game totals in every sport for three hundred and sixty-five days a year, you're probably going to lose money and and probably is probably capitalized because the markets are just so efficient and so inefficient and in some places that they can't be beat uh, at minus one ten, and obviously that's the best case scenario. Oftentimes it's more like minus one twenty or minus one thirty. So you have to look at derivatives, if you will, and. And even including props, which are great, but I consider FCS games are props because those lines just, just fly off the handle because there's a lot of people that, that do follow those teams closely. And you'll watch those lines move massively. People are pad their stats on those. But the fact of the matter is uh, most books, you're lucky if you can get down 250 bucks on it. So, you know, you have to do a lot of digging and a lot of derivatives but you can make money
0: now Dave I want to look at this was probably the one that gave me the most interest that kind of perked me up when I saw you wrote this one down let's look at the Colorado Buffaloes traveling to TCU currently TCU favored by 20 and a half with a total of 63 and a half uh what were you thinking for this one because uh This one was the one that I I can't wait to get your opinion on.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I put it on there for obvious reasons. It's the beginning of another Deion Sanders era. What he did at Jackson State, that's indeed a huge deal. But Jackson State's in the Southwestern Athletic Conference where a few good players on one team can elevate a team to elite in their own little world. And I think the Pac-12 is going to be very different at least this year. I mean, even the transfers he bought from Jackson State, they've never seen or played against a team like TCU or Oregon or USC who are both in their next month or so schedule. Uh, and to me, this line is moving, and it's reflective of Deion Sanders and and skittishness and not the talent discrepancy between Colorado and TCU. And I could say that especially in the first game. I mean, the total here is going up, uh, which is in sharp contrast to most of the games which that leaves room for margin uh, to cover a number. Uh, I'll take TCU minus 20 and a half all day long,
0: and I'll probably throw a little bit on him in the first half as well. Yeah, I looked at it, and my initial thoughts, actually, when thinking of Colorado and TCU, they felt like two teams that I wanted to fade, and now they're in a matchup where it's like I want to fade all the Deion Sanders press and all the public, oh, Colorado's going to be so good, and they, they got all these players and this and that. But then I also kind of wanted to fade TCU because TCU made it to the college football playoff last year. TCU was a great team. They lost their Heisman uh, candidate in Max Duggan as he graduated. He was a lot of that offense, especially down the stretch. So just digging in a little bit deeper, though, I'm with you. I wanted to take TCU. They returned more players. There's more continuity there. Uh, Sonny Dykes has obviously been there for multiple seasons now. Dion it just feels like I need to see it to believe it and with the fact that TCU has played really well and gotten better and better here the last couple years they're recruiting on a higher level too like you said they should have more talent and more ready talent to play game one than Colorado does and I actually looked at the under because when looking at what these two teams were returning Colorado is just a mismatch of whichever higher recruits Deion Sanders could either poach from other teams or bring in TCU actually brought back over half of their defense so I think that they should have the better defense in this so I don't know if Colorado will be able to score as much as anticipated or you know a flashy Deion Sanders team you would think would score but then on the other side I don't know how great this TCU offense is going to be. I mean, they lose Max Duggan, they lose Keandre Miller, one of the running backs, and Max Duggan's was a lot of their offense down the stretch. And you already mentioned how it was this total was going up when most totals go down. I looked at the under sixty four. If I had to play the total,
1: yeah, you're probably right there. Uh, you know, if TCU gets ahead, they have no reason to 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 pile it on. Although history says that they sometimes do anyway, and maybe they do. But if you look at that total. And that that would put the team totals at roughly you know, if it's sixty three and there's a twenty point favorite that's thirty one and a half, ten either way, you're looking at like a you know forty two to twenty one game based on what the the spreads telling you. And I don't see Colorado scoring twenty one points. um I could be way wrong, but I don't. Uh, and I do see TCU being able to score as many as they want to. Uh, you know the the Colorado team, you know last year was like historically bad. So, you know, yeah, I get they probably did have to turn everything inside out there, but you can't go from historically bad I don't think to to marginally competitive in, in 6 months off season, you know, especially in week 1. So, um, you know, I can't be talked into
0: Colorado. I couldn't either. It was TCU or pass. There, there's just too many moving parts for Colorado to be a big wager on them week 1. Oh, I agree. There's you know, you know what
1: you're getting with TCU. Uh, you don't with Colorado, and like we always talk about, you know, I
0: I want to I want my bet to have the least amount of variables, and that would not be Colorado. And now looking at the final game that we will be checking out Saturday for college football, it's going to be a CBS game: Texas Tech traveling to Wyoming to take on the Cowboys. Right now, Texas Tech favored by fourteen. Currently, that total sitting around fifty and a half. Ah, uh, Dave. What are you thinking for this one? I know you mentioned this a little bit uh, on the morning show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have. I wanted to look at this one for a reason because you you have a you have another polar opposite thing going on here. I mean, I'm actually high on Texas Tech this season. You mentioned it. I said previously. I think they may give Oregon a bigger challenge next week than people expect. Um, the issue I have here is that they're favored by enough, and they could already be looking at that game and not at Wyoming. Uh, who at home? It could be a tough out. Uh, there's also the elevation change, which would make it hard for me to look at the Red Raiders for the whole game. And Tech led the nation in place per game last year, so that could tire them out. And obviously, with the new clock rules and the fact that Wyoming plays super slow, uh, almost as slow as anyone in the, in the nation, you know, we actually have a path that that could overcome a talent deficit if Wyoming can keep the ball. Uh, the game isn't on a lot of people's radars to me, but to me it's one of the most interesting matchups this week because the Tech defense allowed almost 30 points per game last year. Uh, I lost five of their top six tacklers. So, again, I think the path is there for Wyoming to play keep away. Uh, the line sitting at 14, and then it was slightly better available, uh, but at 14 I, I think I'd almost have to take them uh, because if Tech does get out front, especially with the with Oregon next week and the and the altitude, They'll arrest some people, and I think the back door could be open. And I went into this originally thinking I would like Texas Tech, uh, but the more I dug into it, uh, the more I don't. Um, You know, I could be wrong. They could just blow out Wyoming, uh, but I don't think that I am. uh, And because of that, uh, clock thing and whatnot. Uh, I'm going to lean to the under as well.
0: Yeah, you you explained that handicap really well, and it was kind of my exact thoughts. When I think of Texas Tech, I think of the spread it out, throw it quick offense. And then when I think of Wyoming, it's the slow run the football, and you know, obviously a higher altitude. If Texas Tech gets a bigger lead, I could see them tiring it out, like you said or taking their foot off the gas because it is Wyoming and not necessarily some, you know, huge matchup where they're going to get some style points and stuff like that. But then when you look at Wyoming, if they can play keep away, like you said, well, then this game could be close. And we already know that with the clock rules, let there's been about one less possession for each team per game in a very small sample size, though. I actually looked at this and what came to mind was, if Texas Tech does get a big lead, we know that Wyoming's not used to playing fast. They probably take their foot off the gas, but if Wyoming can keep it close, this should also be a competitive game. So I actually I liked Wyoming in the second half and I found plus a touchdown here, plus 7 actually. So I thought that Wyoming in the second half where Texas Tech could either be up so much they don't care, or maybe start to get affected by that elevation and the pounding of the Wyoming run game. I liked Wyoming plus seven in the second half. Yeah, I can see that. And
1: obviously they'll post a new line at the second half, so you might be
0: able to get a better number. You know, And, and, and I was looking at some of the
1: other games for Saturday. I, I guess we have time to, to look at a couple. Uh, if we don't, then cut me off. Um, there's some, you know, just basically looking at the market and looking at, at, at what he's trying to say here some some games that stick out to me uh you got Liberty at Bowling Green um that line at that Sarka has moved all the way down to eight and a half it opened well over 10 uh so the market loves Bowling Green there um there's another one I saw yeah okay well everybody hates Purdue Fresno State was uh six and a half it's now down to three and a half uh, I'm still not sure how good Fresno State is it did go down to three uh, and then went back up to three and a half so that is one that I think if I could get, uh, minus three, I, I would maybe look at uh, the Boilermakers there, believe it or not. I mean, that may be one where the market is like totally overreacting. I like a, I like the Utah State team total under against Iowa. I mean, Utah State is a terrible offense, and Iowa doesn't give up any points. And uh, let's see if there are any other ones that sort of stuck out to me. The market likes UTSA over Houston. I'm not sure about that. And let's see if we got any more. Um, no, nah, that's about it for now. I mean, I'm sure if I keep digging, I could find even more. but those are kind of market updates that I'm passing on. That what you would call them leans or or or
0: smaller bets at bad numbers today type things that that you can't ignore. Dave, you mentioned derivatives earlier in the podcast, and I had three derivatives that I looked at and actually kind of like. And they're all three are revolving around some bigger boys in the college football scene. The three I was looking at: Michigan in the first half a in the first half, and Bama in the first half. My Michigan reasoning was basically Eastern Carolina lost a ton of guys. Their offensive line, I think, was only returning two starters, and we know that that Michigan defense is going to be fierce. I know that Harbaugh and the other coordinator have to sit this one out due to suspension, but I feel like that'll just make Michigan want to kind of rub it in even more and, and play that one for Harbaugh and the coaching staff and really just – Dismantle Eastern Carolina because I don't see how Eastern Carolina is going to really move the football. That one was at 21 and a half for Michigan and DraftKings, and I could see that being like a 35 nothing score at halftime. And then out of those three, Bama was probably my second favorite. They're playing Middle Tennessee State that didn't do anything correct last year. And Alabama feels like the team that's not being talked about. We've heard about Michigan, we've heard about Georgia. We've heard about Ohio State and some of these teams. USC. We haven't heard about Bama, and it's almost like they think that Georgia's officially knocked Bama off. I feel like they are ready to come back and prove people wrong, and Nick Saban's ready to uh, raise some hell. But we know that Saban does take his foot off in the second half. That also feels like a game that could be like forty-two to nothing at halftime.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with any of them. I, I do. I will be betting on the New Mexico Texas A and M game. And I may bet New Mexico under team total, even if it's three and a half. I mean, things were rough for them last year, and they might be even worse this year. I mean, I think they were next to last in the nation scoring with just 13 points a game, which is which is all good. But they also lost their starting quarterback, two leading rushers, leading receiver, and a starting lineman. Um, and they didn't replace them with, you know, highly touted talent. I mean, they had, I think, the worst ranked recruiting class in the, Mountain West Conference this year, and they're going to be relying on transfers. You know, they're quarterbacks from UAB, so now he's going to go play Texas A&M. And on defense, they lost their, I think, 11 of their 12 top defenders, and that was a team that gave up 26 points a game. So I just don't see anything but uh, a blowout here. I mean, the Aggies bring back 10 of 11 starters. So, uh, yeah, I mean, first half will probably be Texas a&M for me and New Mexico team total under as well I mean like New Mexico really sucks
0: yeah I have the numbers right here for you Dave New Mexico is bringing back eight total starters from last year and not the quarterback only two starters on defense that feels like Texas A&M is going to run right through them especially when A&M brings back all the talent they did including a quarterback and they have their entire offensive line back. This just feels like a complete mismatch for New Mexico. And I think one big thing that wasn't talked about, Jimbo Fisher gave up the offensive coordinator job, and Jimbo Fisher didn't look like a competent offensive coordinator since probably Florida State won the national title. And I think that gives that offense, that recruits the same exact way that Alabama and Georgia and LSU and all those other teams do. They're one of the better Recruiting teams year in and year out, but they always fall flat. I think that'll bring a new offense. You have a ton more talent, and New Mexico State—they might not even have a defense at all. That was why that was the third one for the first half derivatives that I like. Huge mismatch
1: Yeah, well I'm going to take it as the, my favorite of those. Um, although I don't, I don't disagree with the other ones, but you know, it, it has to be a first half bet for me because Texas a and next week they're at Miami, and I know Miami is not what miami was and they haven't been for a long long time uh, but they're probably better than people think and at home you can't take them too lightly they seem to play well against teams that they shouldn't and and get beaten by you know florida a&m or something so that would be just more real to the fire for well dave to your point I it's like say, yeah. texas a&m to just kind of rest
0: people and get it over with early who do you think texas A M and will play a full game against new mexico or miami It's clearly going to be Miami. So I, to your point with the first half, if they're going to quit on a, you know, a second half where they got a big lead, it, it, they're going to quit against New Mexico where they know that game's already wrapped up, not the, the U, which is the famous brand.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe they even, maybe you even take a first quarter Texas saying, and then I don't know what that line would be. If I could get it under, under 13 or under 14, I would probably even take A&M in the first quarter.
0: So there you go. There's a a few derivatives that caught my eye and glad that Dave agrees, especially with the Texas A&M one. Uh, Dave, any best bets that you're feeling before we wrap up this podcast?
1: You know, I like them all.
0: I like them all. Um, If I got to
1: pick one, okay, I like the Orioles team total over. I hate baseball, but there you go. Um, (laughs) Another one probably – Oh, I don't know. Let me let me just pick. I guess maybe uh oh maybe uh Wyoming and Texas Tech under.
0: So Dave's going to go with the Wyoming and Texas Tech under and then he comes with a baseball team total over for the Baltimore Orioles. You know, since you co-stamped it, I'm going to give out the Texas A&M minus the 23 and a half in the first half spread against New Mexico. Yeah. I think that that'll be my best bet to start for week one. We'll uh, we'll ease on in here next week. We're already starting with the NFL week one. Yep. I think Monday we'll probably talk about some college football
1: and maybe the Detroit, Kansas city game Thursday night. So yeah, I mean, we've given out a lot of win totals in both college and the NFL. So now it's time to see if our work is, is going to pay us dividends in the form of money and uh, we'll be on top of it every week. And then Friday, for sure next week, we'll probably go down a good chunk of the NFL slate. Um, And we'll probably look at it a lot of the same way. You know, those lines have been beaten to crap too. So I think I'll probably be on a lot of derivatives.
0: Yeah. So speaking of work, if you want to find any of our work, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore razor, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler, or his work at pregame.com. Again, just before the end of the pod, just want to make sure that you guys make sure to download Uh, Like, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, do all that good stuff. We'll be back on Monday to continue talking pretty much all NFL and college football from here on out. Uh, But until then, let's continue to win some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at madcitysportzone.com, in the Zone app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, rate, subscribe.